Broadcasting live across the great state of Montana, this is Montana Talks with Erin Flint. Oh, yeah, she's definitely got her Fanny in some trouble. No, I'm not talking about Nikki Haley. I'm talking about Fanny. I'm talking about Fanny Willis. Man, she has got her Fanny in some trouble now, didn't she? Oh, man. Uh, Fannie Willis just had a bad day in court. That's a DailyCaller.com headline. Daily Wire has this. Judges ruling in divorce case could spell bad news for anti-Trump DA Fannie Willis. And then Jonathan Turley, the constitutional lawyer. Uh, another headline from the DailyCaller.com just says that, that uh, Fannie Willis uh, just had the, the worst possible tack and she may have just shot herself in the foot. So, so this, uh, the documents in this divorce case involving uh, her alleged lover that she gave six hundred and fifty thousand dollars to to prosecute Trump. Uh, so, so that guy uh, that then they went on these fancy vacations together, using the money that she gave him to to uh, to help in the persecution of Donald J. Trump, a president of the United States. Basically, I mean, I unprecedented attack on a president of the United States. And she took the $650,000 in taxpayer funds and gave them to her apparent lover. Now, now that guy's uh, soon-to-be ex-wife in these divorce proceedings, uh, she's just, uh, she's uh, dishing out all the dirt now. So uh, so that's where this stuff is coming out of this court case. And so, but anyway, apparently uh, Fannie just got her, her Fannie in even more trouble now because the judge did not like her response they did not like the response. So apparently they're trying to unseal some of these court documents and these divorce proceedings because it exposes the fact that Fannie Willis is trying to cover up uh, this alleged affair and and the six hundred fifty thousand dollars that she gave to her boyfriend to then go on fancy vacations together, uh, all, all in the middle of this unprecedented political prosecution and persecution of a president of the United States. Uh, so anyway, man, very interesting. I think we're going to have audio from Jonathan Turley and, and much more on that story. Uh, but yeah, Fanny got her Fanny in some big trouble uh, now, d- didn't she? And really, it's, it, it's I think I, th- I do. I think Stephen Valentine raised the question yesterday, something to the effect of does this does this basically uh, jeopardize and undermine all of the other persecutions against Donald J. Trump? And I would say, yeah, it, it does. But that's just my take. We will see, of course. All right, let's see. Uh, I, I want to do, I was going to start with a random start here at the, the top of the 6 o'clock hour, but uh, I want to do a random start for you after our, our next news and weather break for you here this morning. Uh, so I'm, a, uh, I'm an associate member of the Special Forces Association here in Montana. Incredible uh, guys that are in that organization. I mean, man, there are some folks, there are some um, legends, some living legends that are a part of that outfit. Uh, but they put something on my radar, and I just thought it was crazy. I was like, why Why would the VA do this to our fallen veterans? Why? why? And, and their families. Why, like, why would they remove these from their gravesites? And, and don't we have a Montana guy who's supposedly in charge of cemetery services for the VA? Wouldn't our Montana guy stand up for us? Anyway, that story next. Here is your Montana News. A man is in custody in Missoula after punching a manager and biting security personnel in a movie theater, maybe a film critic. The altercation happened in the Wilma Theater on Saturday when Chad Fallsdown, 28, was disrupting the piece. 
after security and the manager asked repeatedly for him to leave, falls down, slapped the security man, then hit the manager, knocking her to the floor. Nick Christensen with KGBO reports the security man struck back. In the fight, falls down, bit the right hand. More staff jumped into the fray. Missoula police arrived to find the belligerent restrained on the floor by theater personnel. The manager was taken to the ER for an injury above her eye. Chad Falls now faces felony aggravated burglary. Hopefully more is coming. That's the Montana News Minute. I'm Travis Lee. Here's a look at your real weather for Billings and Bozeman. We'll see more cloud cover and some sunny breaks around the area today as well. High temperatures ranging from the mid-30s in Bozeman to the mid-40s in the Billings area. For tonight, skies stay partly to mostly cloudy with some areas of fog. Low temperatures from 20 in Bozeman to the upper 20s in Billings. And for Wednesday, areas of fog early along with breaks of sun, 33 in Bozeman, mid-40s in Billings. This is weatherology meteorologist Paul Trombley. Well, the gloves are definitely starting to come off ahead of a potential GOP primary in Montana for the U.S. Senate. Check out the latest. Go to MontanaTalks.com or check out the app. state of Montana, from the peaks of the Beartooth to the banks of the Clark Fork River, this is Montana Talks with Aaron Flint. All right, so, uh, yeah, I saw a press release here. We've got a press release from uh, Montana Senator Steve Daines' office here. Daines calls out Biden VA for disrespecting Montana veterans sends letter to VA secretary following the removal of honorary medallions from veterans headstones. Now, as I mentioned, yeah, I'm a uh, I'm a, a life associate member of the, uh, the Devil's Brigade chapter uh, of the Special Forces Association here in Montana. Incredible, incredible folks. Man, I, t- I, I said it, the, the, there are some living legends that are members of that organization and uh, tell you what it's just such an honor to be in their presence whenever i get a chance to get together uh w- with these gentlemen but uh, and by the way quick plug if, if there's any of you out there who uh who uh if you're a green beret i i'm not one i just drink their beer uh <laughs> if if there's any of you out there and man i would encourage you if you're not already a member of the special forces association actually you, i think you should be but because i think uh, i think it, it's you, you basically can be a member right, right when you come out of your uh, uh your qualification course but uh anyway uh Check it out. Or if you're a member somewhere else and you want to get tapped in locally, uh, I'm telling you what, this is just an incredible outfit. Uh, and, uh, you know, a lot of them are in, in western Montana. There's a big uh, group of them in, in Bozeman. Uh, in fact, uh, uh, one gentleman, uh, Colonel Kraus in Bozeman, would do a great get-together of a whole bunch of special operations folks, whether they were, you know, SEALs or Green Berets or MARSOC guys or uh, or, or other folks who who, who worked uh in special operations, but but maybe it weren't necessarily SEALs or Green Berets, etc. And so, um, and and some of you, hey, hey, maybe you weren't a Green Beret, but you worked in special operations very closely, and so so you can be associate members, for example, of of the Special Forces Association. So uh, so maybe you're a member somewhere else. Well, you you know, hey, maybe you want to get involved here locally. Uh, shoot me a note if you want to get involved, or just check out the Special Forces Association uh, Chapter Twenty Eight website. 
uh, because there's 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 a group that's starting to get together uh, in the Billings area now as well, and you know just getting together and, and trying to look at ways to serve the, the the troops that are still in the in the fight right now. So anyway. I want to give give those guys a shout out here. But here's the press release from Senator Steve Daines. And again, uh, I heard about this through our chapter members who said, hey, you know, something to the effect of, hey, we had some of our members. They were just out at, at these cemeteries and they noticed that the that that the Montanans who served in the first special service force and were buried at VA cemeteries here in Montana, they they had these uh, memorial uh, honorary medallions that were on their headstones. What happened to those? So think about it. If you're if you're um, you know uh, paying tribute and you're going to these cemeteries, and all of a sudden you you say, wait a minute, what happened to the medallions that were on these? I mean, your initial thought would be, did did somebody did did some punks just come in here and vandalize this? What in the world just happened here? And then you find out, oh wait a minute, it was our own VA. That said, get those off of there. Apparently, uh, they're not too busy processing claims for illegal aliens on our southern border. So apparently, not only does the VA have plenty of time to be processing claims for illegal aliens breaking into this country, but apparently the VA also has time on their hands to say, hey, let's get those honorary medallions off of those headstones. Yeah. Do you people need work to do? Are, are you not busy? Because maybe you should go to your local VA clinic and help out uh, the great men and women and the nurses and the doctors that could probably use some help. Really, you have this much time on your hands that you can just be processing claims for illegal aliens and, and removing honorary first special service force medallions off of headstones. I mean, for Pete's sake, people. But Senator Steve Daines uh, sent a letter to the Department of Veterans Affairs Secretary Dennis McDonough following reports that the VA has directed medallions honoring World War II veterans who served in the first special service force to be removed from headstones in VA cemeteries across uh, Montana. Uh, he said, quote, for years, the Montanans who served in the uh, first special service force and were buried at VA cemeteries in Montana were remembered for their special service with a medallion located on their headstone. However, now the NCA citing longstanding official policy that medallions are prohibited on VA purchased headstones has ordered the removal of these symbolic medallions. The reasoning for this, as stated by the National Cemetery Administration Directive, is that such medallions would prevent preserving the appearance and facilitating the maintenance of said headstones. I, like many of Montana's veterans and their families, find it outrageous that a small medallion would in any way diminish the appearance of a headstone or prevent maintenance. The application of this NCA directive reeks of bureaucratic excess that does nothing but cause more issues than it fixes. Thus, I request that you rescind the current directive requiring the removal of these medallions additionally in order to provide transparency to the many veterans demanding answers as to why service members' headstones were defaced. I request that the National Cemetery Administration provide a briefing to Congress as to why this directive was given, why it appears to be selectively enforced, and what concrete steps will be taken to ensure such action does not occur again. Uh, anyway, uh, uh, great message there from uh, Montana's U.S. Senator Steve Daines. Uh, here's the deal. Now, I, is he still on the job? If I'm not mistaken, the guy who served as the adjutant general under the former Democrat Governor Steve Bullock, he got a big job in the Biden administration. John Tester made sure of it. I, if I'm not mistaken, isn't he in charge of all of uh, the cemetery stuff for the V.A.? 
So anyway, I, I hope he, uh, I hope he steps up and brings a quick halt to this and rectifies this situation very quickly. Now, how did this happen in the first place? Maybe he wasn't aware. Uh, anyway, I'm glad Senator Steve Daines is jumping on this, uh, though. First Special Service Force, if you don't know the history, look it up, and you'll see what a big slap in the face this is. Uh, additionally, Good morning, everybody. It's time for your Daybreak Egg Report. I'm Russell Nimitz, and thanks for being with us here on the Western Egg Network. Well, this week here in Salt Lake City, Utah, a lot of important issues have been talked about at the American Farm Bureau Federation's annual convention, including water. Wyoming Farm Bureau Federation President Todd Fornstrom says that water is the lifeline for farmers and ranchers, and that's why Farm Bureau works so hard on water issues from WOTUS to the Colorado River Compact. Yeah, the, the Colorado River being that we're the headwater for a large portion of that river system, uh, it's important because all of the people downstream depend on us along with what we are using here. So that, that relationship and, and knowing, I mean, first of all, we don't control the snowpack. So we have to be able to uh, to make that management of that, that watershed. We have to make it work. It has to work for everybody. And he says that getting a new farm bill, not another extension, is important as well. You know, the farm bill, it's first and foremost that safety net that we as we in agriculture need. Uh, it's, it's such a volatile industry that we live in. We need that security and that safety net. Now, in some other convention news, you know, on Monday, I mentioned that some young people from our region had made it into the YFNR discussion meet Sweet 16. Well, this morning, we want to congratulate both Laura Holmgren of Utah and Cole Lickley of Idaho for taking second and third place, respectively, in the national YFNR discussion meet contest. Stay with us. We'll have more ag news right after this. Hi, my name is Blake Newfer at the Montana Livestock Auction right here in Ramsey, Montana. I am a member of the Livestock Marketing Association, and I have had a front row seat to the loss of livestock producers across our area. This is a critical threat to our industry and our nation. Let's get active, get talking, and create a brighter future for us all. Learn more at ProducerProfitability.com. Exceptional Angus genetics is what you'll find at the Little Goose Ranch of Bighorn, Wyoming. And the ranch's philosophy is to produce balanced, functional cattle. Little Goose Ranch bulls sire calves to offer pounds at weaning and daughters that make great replacement heifers. Saturday, January 27th, 55 yearling Angus bulls and 12 commercial yearling Angus replacement heifers sell at Buffalo Livestock, Buffalo, Wyoming. Sale time is 1 o'clock, also carried live on Northern Livestock Video. For more information, visit littlegooseranch.com. Well, in a long-awaited audit, the Government Accountability Office says that USDA staff failed to sufficiently verify the accuracy of foreign land ownership data and were slow to share information on those land holdings with the Committee on Foreign Investment in the United States. These challenges, the report says, make it difficult to know how accurate the data the agency collects under the Agricultural Foreign Investment Disclosure Act really is. And finally this morning, you know, as attacks on vessels transiting the Red Sea continue, shippers are faced with rising war risk premiums. 
higher freight costs, surcharges, and longer transit times. According to DTN, the Panama Canal is also still limiting the number of daily vessel transits to 24, down from 36 during normal navigation conditions, therefore increasing transit delays and causing shippers like those in the grain industry to look for alternative and more expensive routes. For the Western Egg Network, I'm Russell Nemitz. Taking your calls live, 406-294-0970. This is Montana Talks with Aaron Flint. All right, today is primary day in New Hampshire, and we've got a lot uh, of content ready to roll for you here this morning. Dean Phillips, do you guys know who Dean Phillips is? I remember I, I heard his name a couple of times this morning. I was like, Dean Phillips, what? Dean Phillips, why does that name ring a bell? Oh, yeah, that's right. That's that uh, Democrat congressman, I think out of Minnesota or something. But he is running for president. And uh, and so I, I guess he will actually be on the ballot in New Hampshire. Now, Joe Biden will not be on the ballot in New Hampshire because that's his idea of democracy. Uh, but apparently this this Dean Phillips guy will be. And the people that that actually uh, that that actually claim they actually support what Joe Biden is doing to this country will have to write Joe Biden in. So that'll be kind of funny to see what the results are out of New Hampshire there. Uh, Donald Trump uh, continuing to go after Nikki Haley. We've got sound bites from him. Dean Phillips uh, says Trump will win. Biden's going to get creamed. And he was on CNN saying that Uh, Newt Gingrich uh, was on Hannity last night saying Trump will be the nominee. Uh, But the first thing I wanted to play for you here this morning, this is a professor, constitutional law professor, Jonathan Turley. He was uh, the Daily Caller story. uh, He was on Fox News talking about Fannie Willis, the anti-Trump Fulton County D.A., and uh, yeah, she's getting her fanny in some uh, hot water, as I mentioned uh, earlier. But the damage is already done for Willis. And in many ways, she's really magnifying that damage uh, with her move. She filed uh, a, a motion before the court that attacked the estranged wife of her alleged lover as an adulterer and a political conspirator. It is the worst possible tact that she could have taken. I mean, she could have just said, I'm not relevant. It could, she could have said, uh, a deposition is not needed. And instead, she did this full-on attack. And that only raises further questions. I mean, the, the, if you have the original decision that she made, which in my view is deeply unethical, uh, in hiring someone mm-hmm. that she had an alleged intimate relationship with. But she compounded that afterwards uh, in, in her response. It's clear that Mr. Wade and Willis herself are undermining the case for her office. And so she's putting their interests ahead of the office. That's the very thing that conflict of interest rules are meant to avoid. So so I had a look at the motion uh, that she filed with the court. Uh, she does, at a couple of points in the motion, say that she is not relevant to the divorce case because she alleges it was an affair that Jocelyn Wade had with one of Nathan Wade's friends that irretrievably broke the marriage. But she also says, to your point, that Jocelyn Wade is part of a conspiracy with the Trump organization to go after her, and they're using discovery as a vehicle to harass her. 
Now, when you take a look at it, the Big Bethel AME Church the other Sunday, she claimed this was all about racism. Now she's saying it's a big Trump conspiracy. So, so which is it? Uh, what is it? Her fanny's in trouble. That's what it is. All right, more to follow on that a little later. Fox News. I'm Chris Foster. It's primary day in New Hampshire with 24 Republicans on the ballot, but it's basically Nikki Haley versus Donald Trump. Overnight, there were six voters who beat everyone else to the punch. This happened in the small town of Dixville Notch, a quaint resort community just about 20 minutes or so from the Canadian border. Former U.N. Ambassador Nikki Haley, she won Dixville Notch in a clean sweep, earning six of the votes, which were up for grabs. Fox is Mark Meredith. The largest ever university faculty strike in U.S. history across the California State University system last less than a day. The tentative deal to raise wages was reached by the state university system and the union representing 29,000 workers, including professors, lecturers, librarians, coaches, and others across 23 campuses. Fox's Lillian Wu, the planned five-day strike started yesterday to start of the spring semester for nearly 460,000 students. Classes start back up today. America's listening to Fox News. All right, that very fast-moving 6 o'clock hour of the show. Lots of content to get to, but, of course, we want to hear from you as well. 406-294-0970. Nancy and Roundup, what's on your mind this morning? Hey, good morning, Montana Talks family. I've got a uh, question today and two short comments. My question is this. Last night, uh, some friends dropped by my house, and uh, they started to tell me that during the Arctic blast, that they were both on their computers, and they both had strange uh, messages uh, just suddenly appear. And the one message said that uh, there was a, a severe weather warning in Montana, and it said the message was from mainland China. And then the second message came up, and it was supposed to be from the Fergus Electric Company, and uh, it was an unidentifiable uh, phone number. It was not a Montana phone number, and... Uh, they were very concerned, and they were asking me about it because they know I'm on the computer all the time. I didn't get any messages like this, and we're both uh, Northwestern uh, Electric uh, customers, so I'm going to call Fergus uh, Electric later on and see what they got to say about oh, it. Oh, good but idea. Yeah, they're pretty I, responsive. I immediately thought about the spy balloon and also TikTok. Uh, this mainland China thing is what's scary. Yeah, and there's always, you know, fake emails going out that where they're just trying to, you know, fish or get, get uh, you know, they're trying to get you to click on stuff, and it's kind of like spam. So, yeah, no, yeah, yeah, that's that's good. You're going to call Fergus. I know they're pretty, they're very responsive. Uh, they joined us immediately after that storm on the radio. Uh, Travis says a scam. Yeah, there's a lot of scams out there. I know he keeps a close eye on, on the various scams. What were the other uh, quick comments you had this morning? Okay, uh, I have, uh, we know that we lost uh, two of our best. Uh, two uh, missing Navy SEALs uh, have been declared dead uh, by the Navy, and I finally found their names, and I think that I, we need to uh, hear who they were out of respect. Uh, the first Navy SEAL, uh, he's a Navy Special uh, Warfare Operator. He's a first classman, Christopher J. Chambers. And the second Navy Special Warfare Operator, second class, was Nathan Gage Ingram. So rest in peace, and uh, you will be remembered, and thank you for your service. Yeah, well and said. The other thing I want to say is I believe uh, 2024, uh, we Americans are going to get an education in states' rights versus uh, federal rights and laws. And I'm seeing this along that southern border right now. Uh, Governor Abbott uh, is trying his best to hold back these illegal uh, aliens, 
and uh, the federal government is fighting him, the Biden administration, and I see that the Supreme Court struck down Adams' attempt to keep the uh, Border Patrol from helping illegals and processing them. And he's, of course, uh, appealing this uh, ruling. And uh, this is uh, a waste of time and money because we've got several laws on the books. It's a mess. And in the meantime, Governor Abbott is going to continue busting thousands of these illegal aliens to blue states. And, you know, I really don't like that All idea. All right. We've we got we to take a quick break. Sorry. we got we got to hit the hard break here. This is the Montana Economic Minute. People in Montana are angry, it's said, about their property taxes. Of course, people are angry about lots of things, from the referees' calls during football games to the price of their TV subscriptions. But in the case of property taxes, the anger is productive. Witness the actions of our legislators and our governor to study the situation. That has been the usual dynamic with residential property taxes, responding to the passions of the moment to tinker with the system. I would expect the same this time. Waiting for Helena to take action misses one thing, though. The property tax is a local tax. Its rates are set by county commissioners, city councils, and other local taxing entities across the state. It's true that rising property valuations increase the tax base, but it was the decision of local leaders not to cut mills that resulted in higher tax bills. That's not a fault of the system. It's a fault of local leaders. And the remedy for that problem doesn't require action from Helena. I'm Patrick Barkey. Brought to you by the University of Montana Bureau of Business and Economic Research. I'm Chad Pergram with the Speaker's Lobby. Federal deficits are shooting up. The Congressional Budget Office, or CBO, found that the budget deficit totaled $509 billion in the first quarter of fiscal year 2024. That amount is $87 billion more than the deficit recorded during the same period last fiscal year. Although revenues this year were $83 billion higher, outlays rose by more than $170 billion, or by about 12%. Some fiscal hawks are grumbling that conservatives who control the House are not doing anything to slash spending. Conservatives balked at a top-line spending pact House Speaker Mike Johnson cut with the White House and congressional Democrats. Johnson argues that adhering to terms of a modest debt ceiling deal cut last year by President Biden and former House Speaker Kevin McCarthy makes minor dents in spending. But the real reason lawmakers won't address the deficit? Entitlements. Congress has argued about money it spends on the Pentagon, but there have been virtually zero discussions about cutting entitlements. And entitlements make up 70 percent of all federal spending. With the Speaker's Lobby, Chad Pergram, Fox News. This is where Montana talks. Montana talks with Aaron Flint. Yeah, great point there by Nancy in Roundup. So I uh, caught up uh, more with Nancy. And, you know, and the point she wanted to talk about is that 2024 will be a struggle between states' rights uh, and the federal government under Joe Biden. And it, it'll be it's going to be a tug of war. And, and she's exactly right. In fact, uh, the, the case that she was referencing, th- this was a Supreme uh, Court ruling uh, that just came out here, a new uh, Supreme Court of the United States ruling gives the Biden administration the authority to remove razor wire on the southern border implemented by the Texas government. Uh, here's the report from Brooks Singman, if you, if you haven't heard the story yet. The Supreme Court overturning an appellate court decision allowing that razor wire to stay up in the Shelby Park area of Eagle Pass, Texas. Now federal agents can continue cutting the roughly 30 miles of barrier, which the White House claims hurts Border Patrol's ability to secure the area. But Texas officials arguing that the Biden administration is preventing 
preventing the state from securing the border with Mexico, with Governor Greg Abbott promising, quote, this is not over. Texas's razor wire is an effective deterrent to the illegal crossings that Biden encourages. I will continue to defend Texas's constitutional authority to secure the border and prevent the Biden administration from destroying our property. Now, apparently this was a five to four ruling. I should go go uh, back and look at what David Noble, uh, David Noble, uh, a great lawyer here in the state who joins us every Thursday on this show. Uh, he, he had some good remarks via Twitter, and I, I need to go back and look what he, he said word for word. But I think the bottom line is that a lot of reaction from folks is they weren't too surprised by this Supreme Court decision. Uh, they might be uh, irritated or, or outright angry by the Supreme Court decision, but but at the end of the day, the, the federal government is tasked with securing our southern border. Now, what I found interesting is two things. One, okay, so so they ruled that the, that the federal government has the authority to go in and cut the razor wire because they claim that, that that's uh, what they need to do to be able to do their jobs on the southern border. A couple things I find interesting. One, first off, the, the union representing Border Patrol uh, members, the workers, the National Border Patrol Council. They have come, uh, they have come out and openly stated, uh, basically have spoken in support of what Texas is doing by placing the razor wire in the first place. So, so it's, it, it needs to be reminded that once again, the Biden administration is deliberately in full support of this invasion on our southern border and, and they are doing whatever they can to keep it flowing. And and the the Border Patrol Union representing Border Patrol uh, officers supports Texas putting the razor wire in place. So it's not the Border Patrol officers themselves that want to go in and cut the razor wire. They are being given these orders by the lawless Biden administration. So that's uh, point number one. Point number two uh, that I found interesting with this case is. You'll notice that the Supreme Court says that, okay, yes, the feds have the authority to go in and cut the razor wire. But they but they also did not tell Texas that Texas can't put the razor wire up in the first place. So they might have said that the feds can go in and do what they think they need to do in order to, <clears throat> quote, unquote, secure the border, even though that's not what they're doing. Um, but. But unless I'm mistaken, you guys tell me because uh, I haven't read through the, the, the all the court documents on this story. But if I'm not mistaken, they 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 didn't prevent Texas from securing their own border either. Uh, now, the Biden administration may be preventing the uh, maybe preventing Texas from securing their border. But the Supreme Court isn't isn't the one telling Texas they can't secure their southern border. Right. Now, correct me if I'm wrong. Maybe David Noble's listening in. He, you know, he's probably giving it a, a more of a legal look from his uh, lawyer standpoint. So I'd be interested in that. Uh, let's see. Uh, I, since we're on the southern border, ah, let, let me get to another um, southern border story for you here in just a second. But I want to go back to Fannie Willis and the political persecution of Donald J. Trump. So. Let's see, what was the point that uh, I, I played this soundbite before we snuck in that phone call there? I played this soundbite from uh, constitutional law professor Jonathan Turley. He was on Fox News yesterday. The Daily Caller has the headline here. Uh, and he was talking about how, how Fannie Willis is now attacking her alleged lover's uh, uh, soon-to-be, well, let's just say wife, because uh, I guess the divorce is not final yet. So, so Fannie Willis now, after it... it after it has been exposed that she uh, gave $650,000 to her alleged lover, 
and then they use the money to go on fancy vacations. Uh, the wife of her alleged lover is now calling her out uh, over this corruption. And then and then Fannie Willis is, is now saying, oh, this she's just working in collusion with Donald J. Trump, which is kind of kind of funny when you think about it. Now, uh, is this yet another black woman? Who is leaving the Democrat Party and supporting Donald J. Trump? I mean, that's one way to look at it. But here's what else what else Turley had to say. Right. And my point is that she should have just ended where she began in that motion and just say, I'm not relevant. I'll do what you ask me to do. But what I have to share is not going to be material to the outcome of this case. Hmm. And instead, she went to this conspiratorial argument. and She's called anyone raising these questions racist. Well, there are experts on both the left and the right who have said that she and Wade should recuse themselves. And in many ways, it's ironic, right? She accused Trump of not listening to the legal experts about the law and the election. Uh, she's doing the same thing. I mean, you have an overwhelming view that this conflict of interest is undermining the case. Whenever that view comes to the forefront, most prosecutors would say, all right, I need to take myself out of this equation to protect the interest of my office. Instead, she's calling everyone racists and political conspirators, which is not helping her case. Okay, yeah, but Jonathan, Jonathan, man, come on, brother, Jonathan. She's got to drop the race card. It's 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 the greatest defense. Uh, if you've done something wrong, just drop the race card. Just play the race card. That's what she's doing here. Oh man, uh, comical, comical. This whole Fannie Willis story out of Georgia. Uh, let's see. Uh, I want to talk New Hampshire and more, but first I do want to get to this. So Jesse Waters, I I had seen this this clip making the rounds on Twitter. And but, you know, me, I, I'm not just going to say, hey, I saw something on the interwebs and 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 uh, and then run with it. Uh, so I, I wanted to, you know, make sure there was some verification on this or whatever. Jesse Waters had it last night on Fox News. But there was this video of these illegal aliens on our southern border being confronted by American citizens who are calling out these illegal aliens. And I guess I guess this guy uh, is uh, coming from a Muslim country. And man, listen to the the audacious response. Listen to the arrogance in this illegal alien's voice as he is confronted by American citizens on our southern border. And and Jesse Waters was you know was, was talking about you know just the the audaciousness of the illegal aliens because they know that they are the ones running this country right now. Illegal immigrants are now issuing threats when they cross. Listen. If you are smart enough, you will know who I am. But soon you're going to know who I am. Very easy. Wow. Very easy. But the entitlement, the entitlement. No, believe me, I'm much better than that. The entitlement, guys. Wow. When a Middle Eastern migrant breaks into our country and tells us you're going to know who I am pretty soon, that's the reason you leave up the razor wire. But Democrats are now letting child sex offenders into the country. And then letting them walk free after they're arrested. An illegal alien from Honduras was charged with child sex abuse at a sanctuary city in Virginia. Just let him out of jail. He violated a teen this summer and videotaped it. And a judge just let him out and kept ICE in the dark. Thank God ICE just caught him. But the migrant didn't go down without a fight. He punched an ICE agent in the face during the takedown and then caught another charge. But you ready? Binders blaming Republicans. 
They released an illegal immigrant from Honduras who's charged with sexually assaulting a Virginia minor. Doesn't that go to show that as record numbers of people appear at the border, you guys have no idea what kind of people are coming into this country? We need more resources. We need more funding, which is why we're having these negotiations in, on the Hill. But Republicans in the Senate is working with us. Republicans in the House are trying to get in the way. I'm sorry. I hate to be a stickler, but Republicans in the Senate is working with us. Republicans in the Senate is working with us. My God. Here's a better answer, Binder. How about before you blame Republicans who have nothing to do with our border policy, you say, I'm so sorry for the Virginia teen who was brutally raped by a man who was in the country illegally. How about you start with, I'm deeply troubled and saddened by this horrific sex crime committed on an American minor by a foreign national? That's what a normal person says when they hear about a crime like that. All right. Now, you heard about the Middle Easterners uh, and their threats on our southern border. You heard about the illegal aliens and their crimes in states like Virginia and elsewhere. But what about Bozeman, Montana? Hey, this is a very uh, great report here by Jane McDonald with KBZK Television. Gallatin County law enforcement seeing more ICE holds in detention center. Uh, so uh, here you go. Some actual journalism being done. Good job by Jane McDonald with KBZK TV. I'll tell you about that report. Plus, we have an, ups, an update on assassination classroom in the Billings schools. Waking up on the right side. This is the Sean Hannity Morning Minute. The story of Florida is phenomenal. I'm not saying it because it's now my home state. It just is what it is. This mass migration out of blue states to, to red states is real. And Florida and Texas and Tennessee and, and the Carolinas leading the way. And people are just voting with their feet. They're tired of, of politicians that believe in no bail laws, no law, no order, no safety, no security. They are tired of high taxes with virtually no real benefit for the people in these states. If you look at Florida with a higher population than New York, they have no state income tax, they have better infrastructure, and their budget is less than half of that of New York State. How is that even possible? From coast to coast, from sea to shining sea, it's the Sean Hannity Show. Joe Biden wants you taxed to the brink, under the thumb of the IRS, and controlled with a digital dollar. That's why thousands of hardworking, patriotic Americans are opting out by diversifying their savings with precious metals like gold and silver. And guess what? Sean Hannity is doing the same. He's been purchasing precious metals like gold and silver from the top-rated company, GoldCo. GoldCo is a seven-time Inc. 5000 winner, number one rated gold IRA company with over 5,000 five-star reviews. And they've placed over $2 billion in precious metal sales for people just like you. Right now, they're offering up to $10,000 in bonus silver while supplies last. That's right, up to $10,000 in bonus silver, but only while supplies last. So if you're looking to diversify your savings, call GoldCo at 855-815-GOLD to learn how you could get started today. Tell them Hannity sent you and see if you qualify for up to $10,000 in bonus silver. Call GoldCo at 855-815-GOLD. That's 855-815-GOLD. Securing America. Two U.S. Navy SEALs serving in the Middle East have now been declared dead after falling into the Arabian Sea earlier this month while trying to board a ship and prevent the delivery of Iranian missiles to Houthi rebels in Yemen. 
National Security Council spokesman John Kirby says the loss of the SEALs underscores how dangerous the mission can be um, and the dangers that these uh, these brave warriors are willing to face every day. Meanwhile, U.S. efforts to limit the Houthis' abilities to attack merchant ships in the Red Sea continues. And while the White House admits strikes against Houthi positions haven't completely stopped the rebels, Kirby says. The strikes that we have conducted ashore in Yemen have degraded Houthi capabilities. And he pushed back Monday on the suggestion that U.S. strikes have been escalatory saying they're actually the opposite because... That's taken ability away from the other party uh, to uh, to inflict harm. Safety Administration of the Art Council. Brought to you from the Montana Hot Spring Spas and Saunas Live Well, Feel Better Studio. Taking your calls live, 406-294-0970. This is Montana Talks with Aaron Flint. All right, let's see. Yeah, a couple of things I want to update you on here. Uh, and we want to talk about New Hampshire, give you some of the, the best coverage that I've been seeing as uh, New Hampshire uh, voting is uh, is underway today in the, uh, the technically the first in the nation primary, although we just had the Iowa caucus results, of course, last week. Uh, but first, one other thing, I, I, Nancy and Roundup earlier, um, thanks for for um, for remembering and, 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 and paying tribute to our two uh, Navy seals who are presumed to be dead I, I part of me uh you know was was about to say our fallen navy seals but i just i still don't want to accept it i still don't want to accept it that these that these two uh, navy seal sailors that were lost at sea are are permanently lost but but yeah after a, a week and a half of uh of intensive search and rescue efforts uh, the the Pentagon uh, has now listed these two Navy SEALs as presumed dead. If you not only want to remember their names, but also uh, remember their faces, if, if for those of you who are on LinkedIn, uh, uh, you can find me on LinkedIn, Aaron Flint. Just uh, search LinkedIn and you should be able to find me there. But I shared a LinkedIn post from uh, United States Special Operations Command. We are devastated by the loss of Chris and Gage. Their families are in our thoughts and prayers today and always. The entire naval special warfare community has our full support as they care for the Chambers and Ingram families, which is our sacred obligation for our teammates. That was from General Brian Fenton and Command Sergeant Major Shane Shorter. So, uh, yeah, again, uh, shared shared their story on LinkedIn this morning. Uh, let's see. Very quickly, um, I, I got a note from Brick, Brooke Hudson. Brooke Hudson, you know, who's been, you know, standing up for parents and kids uh, in front of the Billings School Board, uh, doing so much great work. She gave us an update. The School District 2 School Board in Billings voted to keep the book Assassination Classroom in the school libraries in a five to four vote. Uh, but she she talks about why this is actually a win, even though the the liberal mob majority on the school district two school board voted to keep this book about assassinating teachers and shooting up classrooms. She's going to talk about why this is a win that so many school board members in school district two voted uh, to remove this this book. Uh, so I'll talk more about that coming up in the seven o'clock hour of the show. Uh, plus, here's another story I wanted to tell you about. We've been talking about uh, the invasion on our southern border, illegal aliens committing crimes all across the country uh let's see 
we are seeing a lot of illegal individuals from multiple countries, not just Mexico, but certainly seeing plenty of illegals in Montana and certainly in Bozeman. That was a quote uh, from Gallatin County Sheriff Springer in a report uh, shared by KBZK Television. Gallatin County law enforcement seeing more ICE holds, that's Immigration and Customs Enforcement holds, in the detention center. As of mid-January, the current population of inmates at the Gallatin County Detention Center is 163, and out of those, six individuals have ICE holds. According to U.S. Immigration and Customs Enforcement, an ICE hold or a detainer is issued when the Department of Homeland Security intends, intends to assume custody of a person from another federal, state, or local law enforcement agency. DHS can request that the inmate be detained for up to an additional 48 hours after they would otherwise be released. Uh, and so uh, anyway, uh, so anyway, yeah, Gallatin County talking about this big number of ice holds in the uh, in the detention center in Gallatin County. Um, now, sometimes uh, you can have folks who are legally in the country on work visas uh, at the time, and, and they could also be under an ice hold, but, but by and large, it, se- it sounds like mostly what they're seeing uh, are illegal aliens that, that not only committed the crime of coming into this country illegally, oftentimes multiple times, but they committed additional crimes on top of that crime once they got here. All right, lots to talk about in the 7 o'clock hour. Back right after this.